the most obvious place to start is understanding what pipeline and revenue you need to generate and working back from that. And then, of course, understanding how much you need to focus on inbound versus outbound. You're listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration, a podcast dedicated to helping software executives stay on the cutting edge of sales and marketing in their industry. Let's get into the show. Hi, welcome to B2B Revenue Acceleration. My name is Aurélien Mottier, and I'm here today with Dan Seabrook, CRO at Operatics. How are you doing today, Dan? Yeah, very good, thank you. All good. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. I think we survived our Christmas party last Friday, which is uh, good. We're now heading up towards the end of the year, so it's very exciting, planning for 2022. So I'm not, uh, not complaining, loving it at the moment. And today we will be speaking about... Just a party for the people who are editing. I just lost all my Microsoft stuff, so I don't have the Word document in front of me anymore. It may come up at some point. Uh, but today we will be speaking about how to budget for SDR, which I think is, uh, is is kind of an interesting topic. Definitely something has been evolving over the last few years. And, and that's kind of my first question for you then. you know, How do you think the, the role of SDR and the cost of SDR has evolved over the last few years? So I think there's a few factors from my perspective. One of the most important factors to consider over the last few years is probably the um, the increase in the appreciation as to you know how important an SDR function is within a business and it actually being considered much more of a standalone strategic function than it was once was. So I think if you if you cast your mind back a few years ago, it was very much just considered an entry point into sales with people desperate to become account execs or go into other roles as soon as possible. Whereas now I think being a, a kind of world-class SDR is considered a good career in its own right. And actually the SDR function being considered a, a strategic function in its own right. And now in a lot of businesses, from what I see, it's uh, it's actually a standalone function, not necessarily just part of sales or just part of marketing. It's actually a standalone strategic function. So with that kind of increase in uh, in the importance of the role of the, or at least how important it is being considered, certainly that's obviously increased what the top SDRs can, can command from a salary perspective. I think the other element is um, is the competition out there. So there's, uh, I think, you know, there's there's thousands of, of unfilled SDR and, and AE positions today in, in the SaaS market or the software market. And naturally that's obviously created that that typical supply and demand issue for companies. And so that's pushing salaries up and, and they're, they're way bigger than they were just a few years ago. And then, of course, the other element to consider is inflation, which is running at a pretty steep amount in both the UK and the US. I think in the UK, it's north of 6%. In the UK, it's around 4, 4.2%, 4.3%. So that's having a massive knock-on impact on what companies are having to pay staff. And then I think the other element is, um, just finally, is is the pressure that COVID created on, on pipeline generation. So historically, marketing teams, sales teams have had all of these different kind of functions that they've been able to utilize to, to build pipeline events, in-person activities, digital marketing activities, you know, other account-based marketing elements. And then now, really, one of the, the key sources to market or key routes to market, I should say, more so than ever, is, is around an SDR team because it's something that's been able to be resilient and robust despite the different changing landscape of of, of business with, with the impact of COVID. And I think that's increased the popularity and increased the strategic importance of SDR teams in general. And therefore, just it pushed the, the costs up of having a team in, in-house or indeed outsourcing that. Yeah, I've seen it as well. I completely agree with you. I think on, on top of that, there is all that mixed up together with a, with a massive dose of urgency 
because I think uh, what we saw over the, the course of COVID is um, organizations that probably had to reduce their target market by 30%. You know, when you remove all the traveling companies, when you remove the hotel chains and everything was struggling over the course of uh, over the course of uh, of COVID-19, that would mean that we, we had less accounts to go after, less accounts to go after, less medium to go after. And I think a big one for our customer was really the events. Even for us, you know, as a, as a, as a sales and marketing team, events have always been very good to us. And when you don't have those events anymore, you're missing out now. I don't know how many leads you are, you are losing, but probably a big part of, of your strategy. But all that mixed up with a tremendous amount of urgency because we need to... Uh, we need to make the targets that maybe we could not meet last year. I have personally seen cost of SDR going through the roof, like uh, the actual cost of a resource. I don't know what are your views on that, but I think I probably see that cost evolving by at least, if it's not 35%, at least 30% in the last couple of years. And I think not only the cost has increased, but I think the standards that people are requesting for the, the SDR is also dropping down. I know that in the US, people would have like people who just come out of university. Now, if not going to school, that's fine. You can still be an SDI in my team. In fact, no education at all still work. What are your thoughts on that? Do, do you agree with that statement or do you think it's a, you have a different view? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think if you look at some of the some of the roles out there from an SDR perspective, they're probably from a from a, a salary and OTE perspective, matching what you would have been paid as like a an SMB or mid-market account executive two, three years ago. For sure, they're climbing up. And, and the interesting thing is, to your point, in, in our case, working as an outsourced organization where, where clients may at a certain point in time want to recruit people directly from us, they may be recruiting someone that one year ago was working in, a, in an environment definitely not aligned with a high-growth software company and then you know on a lot less money. And today, they're plucking them and probably paying them four, four or five times what they would have been paid a year ago. And yes, they've obviously learned a certain amount and they've upskilled themselves a certain amount in that period of time that that they're in their last job to, to going into the next one. But I mean, it's not the same as having, say, three, five, seven years business experience where they've developed themselves, you know, and their, their commercial acumen. So I, I completely agree. It's uh, the other challenge, of course, is the incredible amount of funding. And to your point around urgency, when you see that the funding has quadrupled in the last year yeah. and, you know, multiplied by five times in the last two years. What was it then? Was it, uh, was it six billion in, uh, I mean, it's just da- data from Crunchbase, so it's probably like very, very, very top of the funnel. But did we did we look at six million in 2020 of startups receiving investment to 21 million this year? Is that right? Well, billion, yeah. So four, four billion in 2019, five billion in 2020, and 21 billion in, in 2021. So, I mean, naturally, there's just an incredible amount of pressure coming from the market and from VCs to, to accelerate growth as quickly as possible. And, and it's not just the amount of funding, it's the size of these funding rounds. So there's certain companies out there taking 500 million or a billion dollars of funding in a Series B or Series C. They just have more money. It's as simple as that. They just have more money to throw at growth. I'm not sure it would probably align with the most sensible business practices in some instances as to how, how to grow. But I mean, the money's in the bank, so they, they need to do it, right? And it's, um, you know, the feedback we get from our clients, I think, points towards kind of six, not, not just growth, but the speed of growth. It's not just, it's not good enough to grow, but doing it over 10 years, you've got to do it in two years. So, yeah. I mean, that, that condensing a hell of a lot of funding into a two-year period to spend it means that they're just throwing money around as, as, as much as possible. And, and obviously that trickles down into all of the different 
sales roles and SDR roles that are out there. And then the other pressure of not being, there not being enough talented people out there, which is what I think brings a whole nother argument to the table, which is about diversity. So actually not just hiring people with your typical technology sales background, but hiring people from other diverse backgrounds that you could potentially take, you know, someone that was working in hospitality a year ago that have now lost their job because of COVID could actually be perfect for an SDR role. And actually, you know, in a year or two, be on a lot of money compared to what they would have been in, in hospitality. Yeah. I was working in a cocktail bar before, before taking my first, uh, my first, oh, yeah. a bit like the song. So that's, that's, that's super interesting. So on one side, if we look at it from the vendor perspective, lots of funding, not only for yourself, but for other people around you. So obviously everybody is running after growing war for talents. May it be SDR, BDR, AEs, SEs, and all that. Everybody is recruiting. Nobody's got a sales team big enough. So the, the salary goes up, the cost of salary goes up. What are your perspective on the actual response to the market? Because with more and more companies, I mean, more and more technology companies to start with, I, felt, I think there is an increase in terms of the number of startups every year. There is obviously with that, the increase in terms of the investment going into startup company. With that, there is an increase in terms of volume of SDR globally. And I think the volume of SDR globally is increasing year on year. What's the response of the market? What's the response of prospects? Do you think it's still easy as an SDR to, to get through the fog, through the through the noise, and still get that vital meeting for your account manager and, and or, or that proof of value or that demo set up for your account manager? Or, or do you think it's becoming more difficult than ever? Well, I think there's a couple of things. So I think if you look back a few years ago, and even much longer than when I started my career, obviously there was the on one side of the fence, it was easier because you were not competing with as many organizations and as many other SDRs as, as, as you are today. Um, and so when you could find and reach the right prospect, you were probably having a, a better conversation, not only because there was less competition, but also because they were less educated. Today's buyers are so educated that they know more about your solution before you even than you do by the time that you, you engage with them. There was that element which was easier the thing that made it harder, though, a few years ago and, and much longer than that was the lack of tools and data and insight that you've got today. So, of course, if you fast forward to today, there is much more competition, for sure, in terms of SDRs, number of vendors, number of outsourced SDR companies and all of that. There's definitely more competition. But then on the other side of it, there are a lot, of, a lot more tools to make your life easier. And I think there are more tools around intent data. There's more tools around uh, data itself around sales automation, around call it intelligence, called coaching software, all of those different types of technologies and data platforms that can make an SDR life easier. So yes, it can be more difficult to stand out from the crowd, but you've got more tools at your disposal to, allow, to support you to do that. I think generally speaking, what, we, what we've seen is we've probably seen a, a steady, certainly not, not an aggressive, but a, a slight decline probably in productivity per FTE. But the difference is, I would say that the, the value of that meeting when a meeting is, is delivered to a, an AE is higher and therefore often it's a better conversation and often the conversion rate from meeting to opportunity goes up because I think when a, when a buyer is taking a meeting, it's a more serious meeting than perhaps it would have been 10, 5, 10, 15 years ago when they were less educated about the prospect and it was much more educational. So I think it's, it's a changing landscape. I think there's less probably educational meetings and, and much more quality when when uh when sitting in front of a, a prospect 
Okay, you raise a very good point. So the cost of the SDR goes up. It's probably a bit more difficult to get the results. So technically, your cost per lead, your cost per demo, your cost per proof of concept, your cost per opportunity, your cost per deal close is increasing. Okay. Mm-hmm. But you raise a good point around the technology. Right. And I think this is very important when we budget for SDR, BDR. Sometimes we make the, the silly mistake of just looking at the, the individual, right? But you've got to manage the individual. The individual probably need more tools, more than ever right now. And I think you mentioned a few of them. So sales automation, potentially marketing automation, but marketing automation is probably not a cause that you would associate with BDR, more with marketing activities. So sales automation, conversational intelligence, so the lack of gong, refract, chorus, sales loft, all those guys. Obviously, probably LinkedIn as well. I think LinkedIn Sales Navigator is a big one. Yeah. And then you all the data stuff. So data could be seamless, could be Zoom Info, could be Six Sense, could be Lucia, all those tools that are giving you access to the data. You know, roughly, and on average, you know, how much would you estimate that monthly cost? Because when you add them all together, they must have at least, we're probably talking about at least another $500 to $1,000, I would have thought, on top of the cost of the actual person. Yeah, I, I would imagine so. I mean, I think the thing is, it, it will depend on the size of the organization as well, as in the STR team itself. Because of course, if you're buying all of those solutions and you uh, have a manager, but you only have two STRs, then your the cost of all of those tools and, and the management of those people is going to be relatively high. I think if you spread it over a slightly larger team, it starts to make more sense. I, generally speaking, I think a, a rule of thumb I'm, I've kind of heard and, and it sounds sensible to me is that probably when you have a team of five to six SDRs, it can start to make sense to, to look at bringing that in-house. Below that, it, it can start to be relatively expensive to have that in-house. When you look right across the whole kind of life cycle of having an SDR, you have to start with the with the recruitment and the cost of recruitment. That Whether you have that recruiter in-house or you use an agency, there's some there is some cost along the lines. Then there's the enablement of that person, whether you have a training person or an enablement person, that's going to be a, a certain cost. Then the other element to consider is that they're not going to be productive day one. It might take them three to six months. And I think that process is elongating, to be honest, not shortening in terms of uh, the timeline to get that person successful. So in that first three months, you're certainly not going to make the profit or the ROI that you're expecting to make on that individual versus when they've been doing the job for a one-year period. And then, of course, to make that person successful, to your point, you have all of those tools. And then something that's often overlooked is if you have a management a manager, I should say, you need to spread that management cost over the team that you have in place. But if you don't have a manager, someone's got to manage them. So then you must be thinking, well, it's a CRO or the VP of sales who's on a pretty good salary, spreading their costs across that team as well, and the time associated with doing so. So, and of course, you have to then deal with churn, which is an SDR wants to be promoted probably after six months, 12 months of good performance, they want to become an AE. And it must be one of the highest churning roles within a sales environment, just because it's entry-level people that you're often not able to qualify that if they, they are really cut out for that role or not. And, and so you have a slightly higher churn than you'd expect in any other part of the business. And there's a cost that you've got, you've got to attach to that. So I think when you build it all in, it's probably another 30 to 50% on top of just that, that raw salary, the gross salary. I think there's a, a considerable amount more cost on top of that. And yeah, I think you know, a thousand pounds or a thousand dollars is probably on the very low end when you consider the churn and the cost of recruitment and the cost of management and, and all of that. Yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense. The question that I would ask, I'm probably being asked that question literally every week. 
why should I outsource? It seems to be cheaper if I insource it. I've got my answer to that one, but I'd like to I'd like to hear yours first, and then if if it's not the same, I will come up with mine. But you know, what's your answer to that? What, what do you think is the benefit of insourcing versus outsourcing? And and of course, we're a bit biased because we work for operatics and we we are sales outsourcer. But you know, what would be your your honest, pure opinion on that matter? So naturally, that answer varies from company to company, depending on their context. But if you just think about it in a very kind of black and white fashion, all of our clients are B2B technology companies, right? And their their speciality is, is manufacturing, creating, you know, developing and selling software. But their, their, their expertise typically is not in creating demand for that software or that technology. They do have some smart people in the business that are able to do so. But actually being able to develop and, and scale and make successful an SDR team is probably one of the hardest things to do, primarily because of the profile of person. You're normally having someone that's at the more junior end of their career. And because also it's, it's actually one of the most intricate roles out there, right? Now, I think when you look at um, the key value add in today's market of an outsourced company versus doing it in-house, there's a few things. I think the skill shortage and the and, and the lack of available talent is a massive thing. Because if you went to, to think today is day one, you want to build up an SDR team, you're going to find it really tough to find the right people and onboard the right people. And then it's going to take you a long time to get them successful, probably three to six months. The value of an outsourced SDR company is that we have the people today. We have the best practices. We have the management infrastructure. We have the tools, the data, the insights the bird's eye view across all of our other clients to know what's making them successful and not successful. And we can apply that logic and that intelligence and that experience to a new client and get them off the ground much more quickly. Now, that's not saying that we're magicians, but we have all of those different elements in place today that other that, that if you're building that team from scratch today, you, you wouldn't have. So I think what it comes down to is, is the speed and the scale and the experience. I think the other element, of course, is you know, when you're building up a team, you've got to make a decision. Do you want to build that team and do the US or do you want to build that team and do Europe? And from a business such as us, we have the ability to bring that scale globally from one organization. So then not only do you benefit from all of those elements I just spoke about, you can do that at a global scale. And that's something that's quite difficult to do if you have to hire full-time equivalents in a particular region at any particular time. And then I think the other element is the ability to test the market before you know that you absolutely need an SDR or before you know exactly what you're needing an SDR for. So if you look at what we do for a lot of earlier stage companies is that we're almost like a a market research organization in that, yes, we deliver a meeting to the prospect and to the client, I should say. But what, what we're also doing is a lot of validation and testing of the message to understand what's really resonating and not. And then we can pass that back to our client. And once they feel that they've got actually a really well-defined, well-written, clear, concise playbook around their messaging, it's at that point in time when they've built up enough demand that it may make sense to start transitioning that function in-house. One of the clear benefits of having that function in-house, of course, is if you've got that bottom layer of talent, that is a talent pool to fuel your AEs of the future. So that is an element to consider. Then that's something else that we often will deliver to our clients as well in the form of a convey about talent, which is we can work together for a period of time, one year, two years, three years. And then at a certain point of, in the future, they may actually want to recruit that person from operatics for, uh, you know, at a pre-agreed rate, at a pre-agreed price and a recruitment structure that we have. But ultimately, it allows them to, once they understand the market, once they understand their sales process, 
once they have an SDR team built up, it's much safer bet to then to go down the go down the route of actually hiring and building that team in in house. So I think there's a few different elements. Naturally, that will change from client to client, and you can get into the weeds of whether they're doing inbound versus outbound and all of that. But at a very high level, I think at in in today's world, it comes down to the speed and scale and efficiency of having a team outsourced versus actually even having the opportunity to do that in house. Yeah, yeah, my, my, I use the same way. I mean. The- I think the last time I was asked the question is, is someone actually knew and did some business with in the past was with uh, with someone else on their team that was a bit like new to the concept of uh, of outsourcing. And, and the way I answer the question is, look, guys, you're very smart. I'm sure you're going to work it out. If you want to do it on your own, you can do it, you know. But the question is, do you have six months? Do you have nine months? Or do you want to get it done now? You know, we, we can get it done now. We, we will be a little bit more expensive probably than building your own team. In fact, I think that could be debatable because you've got a good point of turnover in the team and recruiting people and things like that. There is lots of upfront cost, but usually speed is, is of the essence. I think if you if you don't have time, it's very difficult to do it in-house or, or almost risky because if you make a mistake and you know, you've know you got to do a change in the team or, or you've got a few people coming and going from that team, they can really set you back. But yeah, I think I, I agree with you. I think time is the most uh, is the most important uh, element in the, in the answer to that question. Now, how do you evaluate the number of BDRs you need in your team? Right. So I'm a startup. So I've got my target for next year. I've got a bit of inbound. I've got a bit. You know, I need to do a bit of outbound. Do I need five? Do I need six? Do I need ten? You know, what was the way to uh, what's the way to evaluate how many SDR BDR you need in your team? You know, the one of the most obvious places to start is is understanding what amount of revenue you want to generate from that particular part of your business. So, you know, if you take your total top line target, you're going to have different areas where that pipeline is going to come from, that revenue is going to come from. Some of it's going to be marketing, some of it's going to be from the AE, some of it's going to be from channel partners, some some of it's going to be, you know, introductions by board members and VCs and all of that. And then some of it's going to come from from uh, the SDR function. Now, often a rule of thumb used is that for an AE, maybe a third of their target should come from SDRs, a third coming from inbound, a third coming from themselves, or uh, you know, a third from marketing, which may include SDRs, a third from themselves, a third from channel partners. So there's normally a third, a third, a third rule somewhere in there for an AE to do their number. The reality is, I think, when you look at understanding how many SDRs you actually need for your business, it needs to start with how much pipeline and revenue you want to generate on a quarterly or annual basis from that SDR group. And then understanding, you know, some of the, the kind of sales funnel that contributes towards that in terms of how many deals do you need to actually execute in, in order to get to your revenue objective? What is your average deal size from opportunity to close one? What's your conversion rate from meeting to opportunity from uh, and, and even coming back from further than that, from MQL to meeting and all of that? Now, the other element to consider is it's not just about in the early stages of the business. It's not just about... The revenue, because I think a big and often overlooked part is is around understanding the market. So a lot of our clients will often take more SDRs than they need in some instances because they want to, yes, be getting more more opportunities at the table, but they also want to understand more about the market more quickly because most of our clients are operating in extremely high growth markets where they want to go and you know have a rep in the US, a rep in France, a rep in the UK, a rep in the Nordics, whatever, and really get market feedback very quickly at the same time as having sales conversations. And in a lot of instances, it almost becomes as valuable as closing a deal because it can influence 
their messaging, their marketing, their product roadmap and all of that. I think, you know, but coming back to your point, the most obvious place to start is understanding what pipeline and revenue you need to generate and working back from that. And then, of course, understanding how much you need to focus on inbound versus outbound. But I don't think there's a one size fits all answer there just because of the the amount of market validation or market research you may actually want to do for your solution. Yeah. And what, what do you think on that? I think it's a tough question to answer. In fact, when I ask it to you, I ask it to you just uh, just to see what you would say. To be honest with you, but you're right. It can be like so varied. We've got some clients. So I've had personally some clients this year who, and we've got to be mindful of that as well. So kind of going slightly on the side of the answer, but I will get to the answer. But you you mentioned a few times in the in the conversation inbound versus outbound. I think this is such an important important topic as well at the moment. We've had many clients that have struggled to generate the right level of inbound to sustain that growth or the growth that is expected from them, okay? But unfortunately, or fortunately for them, they have been able to, up to a certain point, they've been able to sustain that growth and quite a quick growth, quite a high growth with inbound, okay? But comes a point where inbound is not sufficient, so you need to turn to outbound, and I think it's usually when I've seen people saying, okay, we need to outsource that. We need to outsource that because inbound is okay. I'm selling, uh, if I'm selling, a, I don't know, an electric car or, or, or a TV, you're going to speak to people who just come to you and say, hey, what's the consumption? For how long can I go with it? Or if it's a TV, is it what's the difference between plasma, OLED? They know approximately what type of TV they want. They've already done a bit of shopping around. So you can go straight into something a little bit more product-led. You can go straight into the stuff that you can learn by art, if you will. Okay, not not think that you you need to kind of uh, create on the spots, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I think the art of prospecting and outbound prospecting is really around being relevant and pertinent to the people you are targeting, and that's not about understanding your product. It's about understanding the end user. It's about understanding what's their title, what's their company. And based on the vertical or the industry they work in and the title of the individual, their pain points, their issues will be different. And you need to adapt to that. And then you need to have the value point behind of saying, hey, if we work with individuals like you, this is how much we can save or how much more efficiency we can bring. And this is what it would mean from a monetary perspective. Does that make sense to you? Yes or no? And I think this is what we've seen companies struggling in doing internally because they get probably they get their sales team brainwashed with product, product, product. You go to a kickoff, it's product, product. When what you should do is to actually completely step back from the product, look at it from the balcony and look at your prospect and say, okay, what are they doing? How can I be pertinent in that context? And I think that's very, very difficult to do if you can't sit on the balcony because (laughs) you don't have a balcony if you just got your product. And you mentioned something earlier on, which is having that bird eye view And I think that's a massive advantage for companies like us because we can see what's going on. We are defining, we always, and particularly over the course of COVID-19 and even even now, we've been adapting the way we operate. I think the methodology is pretty much the same, but the medium we've been using have changed. The phone was not working, so we had to move to LinkedIn and then people got bored of LinkedIn, so we had to move to something else and it's always moving. And that medium is always moving. And it's about how quickly do you move? How quickly do you know about what's working, what's not working? And how quickly do you adapt technically? It's almost like the evolution, theory of evolution. I think you you can move on much more quicker in that space if you really have that knowledge, if you really have that intelligence. So 
coming back to your point about how do you estimate, you know, the, how to budget for your team, I think if it was me and I look at most of our clients and I had to, to do a rule of average, I think I would split my team between in-source and outsource personally, which I think is probably what 95% of our clients are doing anyway. I would probably keep the inbound internally because I know that I can get my guys knowing the product inside out and I can move those people to a position and stuff like that because this is really what you know you would want to do or potentially even SEs, but I can get them to really know the product, sell the product, being able to demo on the product, do a little bit more in the sales cycle, but they're already speaking to someone who is interested, right? However, for the, the proactive part, this is something that I would outsource, okay? So the way I would go about it is say, okay, this is how many MQLs, how many leads I'm expecting to get from my marketing team next year. So I'll go to my marketing folks and say, okay, guys, what's your commitment? What's going to be your contribution to sales? All right, you're going to have that many? Okay, so I will do some math and say, I don't know, I need uh, 150 MQLs or 200 MQLs per month in order to make one person, one full-time equivalent fully busy. Okay, so if I've got 300 per month, that's two people in my inside team, in my in my inbound team, inbound response management team. And I will go to my CRO and say, hey, okay, so you'll have marketing that will contribute 30% of your of your target for next year, whatever number it is. I'm expecting you to do some upsell and cross-sell to some existing customers. So what's that number? And that's basically what will come from DIEs without you know any support from, from outside. I would also expect DIEs to do a bit of the work themselves. So I would expect them to go and create their own luck. So I would ask my CRO what that would look like. And then I will be left with a gap, okay? And let's say that gap for the purpose of the conversation is, a, I don't know, is a million dollars, right? I've got a million dollars to do. Next question is to look in my CRM system. Look, how many deals we closed last year? What was the total booking value? Do the division. That will give you my average deal value. Let's say my average deal value is 100K. I'm not really good at math. So I'm going to use some very, uh, very simple math here. If I've got to do a million and I've got an 100K average deal value, I need to close 10 deals, okay? And I will go through the classic of, again, going in the CRM system and say, okay, we've got, uh, we've got a 20% closing rate from opportunity to close. So in order to close 10 deals, I need to have 50 opportunities, okay? And then I will just go out to the market and speak to a few outsourcers and say, look, what level of activity do you need to put in in order to create those 50 opportunities for me? Now, what I need is 50 opportunities. The last thing that I would take into consideration is the length of my sales cycle. So if I want to be consistent with that 100K average deal value or ARR, I would say that my my sales cycle is probably six months, nine months max, maybe in some places in Europe where there is a bit more of a consensus with, with lots of prospects getting together. But let's say six months. So technically, if we are now, when are we now? We are in December, mid-December. I've got six months and a half to go and get those 50 opportunities. Anything that we'll get after you know, July will technically could be a 2023 opportunity, okay? Unless I'm lucky and I manage to close them quicker, right? And then based on that, I will try to get partners that give me different pricing as to what it would look like. So that, that that's how I would go about it. I think you, you're right in the center. There is it's a bit of a tricky question because there is no rule of thumb. It depends where you're at. And, and, and again, I'm, I know that we've got lots of startups founders and, and, and startup employees listening to the podcast. And often you don't have that data. You know, if you've been going for yeah. one year and you are going to a new territory, you don't know what your closing rate is. You don't really know what your average deal value is. So sometimes it's a little bit more of a, 
it's a little bit more of an experiment. But I think the thought process should be along this line. The thought process, the thought process should be straightforward based on what I can get from marketing, what I can get from my sales team, what I would expect to get from some other people, and really set up some set up a working relationship with whoever outsource partner I would use, or even if I was to do it myself in terms of, of bringing the team internally, but setting up some rules to not just the number of meetings we need to get or a number of demos we need to do, but more like the, the, the qualitative stuff. So, you know, also, are we having good conversation and stuff like that? Because I think one of the, uh, that's a subject that you and I discuss at length, but I think when we, uh, when we tend to budget, we just look at hard numbers, but hard numbers often don't give you don't give you the reality of what you need to do. It's not the qualitative stuff. The qualitative stuff is actually how many good, meaningful conversations are you having with prospects? How many people are saying no to you? Why are they saying no? Because a no is as valuable as a yes. But sometimes we kind of forget about that because again, we are in the urgent versus the important. So I would really, uh, I would really try to look at uh, all that together. But again, coming back to the bottom, it's simple math looking at the different sources of my leads, looking at rough conversion rate, either from historical data or things that I can extrapolate from past experience and you know, kind of low of averages and a bit of a feeling, if you will, uh, and then decide what I want to in-source versus outsource. There is stuff that I can keep close to my chest because it's maybe easier. I don't need someone to tell me how my products work, technically. However, if I go to a new market and I don't know which companies to go after exactly, I'm not 100% sure about the ICP or the person I should target. I'm not 100% sure about the issue they are facing and how to position my product. I would definitely go for someone who has got experience in that field and try to try to save some time. So that, that's how we go about it. So thanks so much, Dan, for sharing your insight. It was super useful today. Obviously, we, we kind of speak on a daily basis. So you know, it's, it's, it's hopefully it'll be a much more, much more value for our audience than it was for me because I know that we, we kind of leave those topics on a daily basis. But um if anyone wants to get in touch with you or with Operatics, which we, I would tremendously encourage <laughs> for, for obvious reason, what was the best way to get, uh, to get in touch with you then? So I think, uh, as everyone always says, I think probably the best way is LinkedIn for me, Dan Seabrook on LinkedIn. For the company, um, operatics.net is the best place. The inquiry will be picked up within about one minute by the sales team. So, <laughs> so I encourage anyone to get in touch. But yeah, they're probably the best two places. And one last thing, maybe before you go, because we um, we did something a little bit new this year with uh, with Pavilion, which was uh, formerly uh, Revenue Collective. We published a study with them. Do, do you want to take a minute or two just to just to go through that? Because I think it's a great resource for people who are budgeting, looking at SDR, BDR, trying to figure out cost, trying to figure out what should be the productivity. I mean, it's quite a big report. But could you just take a, a few moments just to take us through that and? And maybe tell our audience where they can get it, so they so we can uh, we can support yeah, them with. Absolutely. Well, firstly, I must. Uh, that's a, that's not a bad time to uh, for me to to show this. I don't know if you can see that. I got this through my uh, through my door today. It's some sort of uh, package from Pavilion with <laughs> with a uh, with a notepad and all of that. So I mean, that's that's very good. I guess that's what you get if you're a member. Yeah. So the report that we did, I think it was called the State of Sales Development, and basically it's a, a kind of co-branded. A report between us and Pavilion that both parties worked on to, to spend a lot of time on, you know, doing some research, identifying patterns and collecting data to do some analysis on to understand what's actually going on within the world of sales development. And that goes from, well, it pretty much covers all areas from uh, different technology stacks through to productivity per F, 
TE or per SDR, you know, uh, what type of salaries they should be getting paid, where we're seeing different types of success in different regions, inbound versus outbound lead flows, how much each SDR is actually able to handle. And I think for us, again, we know a lot of that data just through conversations and dealing with it every single day. But we saw a lot of interest when we've been when we've been releasing that report. So I think, for example, on my LinkedIn, there was you know over fifteen hundred votes when you know around one of the particular questions, and I think the question was related to how many SDRs should be aligned to each AE. And I know that's obviously created a lot of debate. We've had hundreds of downloads. And we're definitely not using that as a, as a sales tactic. It's really an information provision, to be honest. We're giving that out to the market and a lot of people seem to be getting a lot of good use out of it. We have had some conversations off the back of it where they're very con- consultative, where we're just having conversations with people and they're asking our opinions about different elements to do with the SDR role and, and world. I'm more than happy to keep doing that. But I think it's a, it's definitely a report worth downloading. It's It's like 30 pages, so it's not light bedtime reading but it's worth you know maybe using it more like a manual to go back to if you just have any questions or concerns to if it as, as to whether you're doing the right thing or not from time to time yeah it's lots of graphs so it's uh it's, it's actually yeah. a, it's quite digest but uh, it's available on our websites i believe yeah absolutely available on our, on our website and um and if if you can't find it then you can just get in touch with us and we're, we'll happy happily send it out good stuff well thank you so much for your time then today it was really yeah really thank you very much as well Good to chat. You've been listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.